1: Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooker. We don't play that. We don't play that. We don't play that. We don't play around. One of the classic mini-hooks from peak 50-cent era, like 2002 from What Up Gangster... Shag, the big, big news researching Spooko this week was I didn't do any research because he was on The Breakfast Club this week addressing various allegations the game had made about songs they wrote 20 years ago. (laughs) And the first thing that struck me was, holy shit, this doesn't matter at all. Like, this is an argument about songs from from 20 years ago. I, I know nostalgia sells and I know that Contemporary social media can deliver songs from the past with a Kate Bush style reinvention, reimagination. It happens. But I don't think lightning really strikes four or five times. Like, you're not going to get young, interesting people caring about whether the game wrote um, What Up Gangster or not. I don't think, right? That's a sidebar. That's a digression. Sidebars I love. The funnest bit was the interview opening up where 50's like, people keep saying I'm fat. I'm not fat. Like, I'm, I'm in great shape. It's just a really weird thing to be <laughs> defensive about. So, like, he's like, I've been in the gym heaps. People say I'm fat. I'm not fat. And, uh, like, and he lists, like, various reasons people might be misapprehending that he's fat. He's not. Don't worry about it. And in a similar way, Shag, I wanted to tie it in with a bit of defensiveness I've got about our most recent podcast episode where I expressed a few views that it turns out haven't been met with universal acclaim in the Spooko community.
0: Peach, I don't think a beef of yours has ever ignited the sort of passion as your proclamation last week before you'd even heard the Wikipedia synopsis <laughs> that you didn't, like, Prey, the latest film in the Predator universe. Mm. Peach, I don't know how much time you spend on our Instagram. Not
1: enough, I don't
0: think it's fair. Whether you check the messages we get from previous guest host Lee Tran Lam, mm. but people aren't happy with your decision not to like Prey. Mm. Tell us how you feel about it a week <laughs> on.
1: Firstly, it was a decision because I haven't <laughs> seen the film. <laughs> Secondly, one of the strongest arguments I've seen marshalled in favour of Prey is like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's an experience. You've got to go to the cinema and see the film and really feel it unfold.
0: And it's not actually showing in cinemas, it's only showing on Disney Plus or Hulu in the States.
1: Well, sorry, then what I said was misleading. You have to see it as a film.
0: <laughs> rather, than, <laughs> <laughs> rather than rather, rather than As a Wikipedia synopsis your friend Shag is yeah. telling to you.
1: And basically this is a long-winded way of coming to the point that I'm right about all this so so get ready for a, get ready for an obstinate internet style argument that goes nowhere, robbed of its filmic techniques, robbed of its you know popcorn and moving images, um, prey sort of boiled down to um, ideas scribbled on the back of an envelope, Wikipedia style and that means that its impact can only be what a bunch of people who've never met come together and decide is its plot. And that robs it of any romance, of any nuance, of any auteurist angles and insights. And so what that means is I'm getting only a little nub, a little kernel, a little hint of what the film is. Now, that's fine, and that's what you're going to get with a Wikipedia page. You're going to rob the film of its filmic power. The frustration I've had with the surprisingly passionate backlash on Prey and the reason I'm doubling down on my original view, <laughs> taking the cowards, the reason I'm taking the cowards approach to really double down on my view that Prey sucks is that's all I've got to go on and that's the absolute premise of this podcast. Like, you can't come on to Spooko and be like, Pete, you really need to watch the films. <laughs> the, the point is that I don't watch them.
2: <laughs> that's
1: that's the, the, the whole thing is that I don't. So. If you are on here expecting me to watch these films, uh, you are going to be desperately disappointed and I'm so sorry. And almost the point of the podcast <laughs> is to rob these films of their filmic, uh, you know, of their filmic attributes.
0: So, Pete, you're saying that everyone who is upset with you not liking Prey is essentially wrong for having <laughs> that opinion.
1: They, they don't get that I'm right is my point. <laughs> And so I'm just decided not to waver from my view, even though I'm sure if I saw the film, I'd enjoy it very much.
0: With that said, though, mm. I just want to read out some of Lee Tran's message to us mm. because I, I think for anybody who is still upset with you not liking Pratt <coughs> and probably isn't super happy with you doubling down. <laughs> doubling down. <laughs> I think this is actually pretty, this this gives the nuance Mm. that was missing in both the Wikipedia synopsis and my retelling of the Wikipedia synopsis and not adding the
2: flavour. Peach, I've never never more more aggressively aggressively disagreed with you about a movie than Prey. It really is a movie where watching it is so key to the payoff. Also, before Naru's brother dies, he says something like, this is as far as I go. No more. This is it. So when Nara sets up the trap for the predator, she says the same thing to the monster. This is as far as you go. No more. This is it. And you're like, hell yeah. I also love the way Lee Tran writes messages.
1: This actually sounds sick as as well. I read this message and I'm like, yeah, that is actually really sick.
2: But But also also there's there's major major suspense. suspense where you're like, how the hell will she do this? As everyone has been totally destroyed by the predator before this. So when she pulls it off, it is so surprising and so quick. You don't even really realise how she pulled it off. That's the power of the scene. Whereas if you read what happened, it might seem supposedly obvious. But when the scene happens, it's truly surprising and suspenseful. I didn't even fully get it at first. So it's not obvious at all. I think Tom had a similar response where he didn't initially understand it either. It's not actually obvious. I actually think it's the most amazing scene in the whole movie. I think it's something you definitely should watch rather than have explained because it sort of strips away everything that is awesome about it. This is why it exists as a film and we remember films. And not Wikipedia. Entries, Entries.
0: Lol. Uh, <laughs> and, and is long. That is long. That is long. And again, it comes to the crux of this podcast. It's mm. like I am telling you the Wikipedia synopsis of horror films because you can't deal with horror films. But eventually, we 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 need to remember that horror films are not just their Wikipedia synopsis. So I, <laughs> I, I say let's call it a draw. And let's move on to the film we're going to cover today, which I'm pretty mm. sure no one is going to like. <laughs> this is a brand new Shudder exclusive oh. called What Josiah Saw.
1: We love you, Lee Tran. That goes without saying. I love these messages and can't wait to have you on Spooko again. Blah, blah, blah. If we ride our ways and we ride a great wrong, then we could save her. Our... Is that Robert Patrick? We could save your mother, boy.
2: People say in that property,
1: I swear it's haunted. It's time to let the place go.
0: What about Paul? An old bastard just wants revenge. There's something that he's doing. I need to wait till dark to tell you. It is dark
1: now. When you run, boy, the
2: wall
1: you run far from here. You can hear
2: that dell.
1: It's relevant for Lee Tran and it's relevant for me reflecting on how the most passionate responses I tend to give on Spurco are negative or if they're positive, they're like the black phone and they're a false <laughs> positive, right? Lee Tran's one of the best, if not the best, food critics in the country uh, coming up on the world at the moment and it reminds me of that shit idiot A.A. Gill, like Rod in Peace, A.A. Gill, pull one out for you being dead. Do you remember he's that snobby reviewer who... Like, remember when Gordon Ramsay's original TV series called That like, Boiling Point, where they interviewed A.I. Gill on Gordon Ramsay not letting him into the restaurant, and he's like, uh, I just thought mm, being kicked out of a restaurant, uh, how quaint. Mm. <laughs> and it's just like, A.I. Gill, like, you suck. And, and he made his whole career of going to Michelin star restaurants and being like, oh, it tasted like an Eskimos. ear, yeah. shit it out of penguins. Vomit and then, you know, dead, 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 dead nonsense. And it's quite fun to be pointlessly mean about stuff. And I like to do it on Spooko, if we take the example of Prey, as a good example. And there's a lack of intellect and a lack of open mindedness and a lack of allowing yourself to experience the artwork and doing that. All of that said, what Josiah saw looks shit, and I don't think it's going
0: to be very good. Well, look, to what you said before, mm. I went for the quick joke about being like, no one's going to like this. There's mm. actually there's a lot to like about this film, but there's also a lot to deeply hate about this film. It
1: feels is, like it might be long. I was just watching and I was like, ooh, this feels like it could be pretty long.
0: It's long, but it actually goes pretty quick. Oh, yeah? So first of all, you mentioned uh, it stars Robert Patrick, One of those actors where they play one role and then you can never see them as anything else. He was the T-1000 in Terminator 2. I have an, it's probably an irrational, but an irrational Mm. anger at the TV show Brooklyn Nine-Nine for overly obsessing over the film Die Hard. Because then liking Die Hard became a thing that everyone's like, that, almost like a thing, a personality trait. It's like, I just love Die Hard. I'm crazy. I love Die Hard. (laughs) And it made us forget that there were so many other great action films from that era, including Terminator 2, which is arguably a far greater film and was only released three years later.
1: That's actually a really interesting argument that I would like to hear more thoughts on you. (laughs) Like, I feel like like Die Hard is celebrated as being, like, the contemporary action blockbuster that includes jokes, isn't it? Like, it's like, here's Mm. how you make a blockbuster film. Yeah, okay, and then Terminator 2. Yeah, and Terminator 2, I guess, is... Arguably, that
0: you you could pit them against each other in so many ways. You know, mm. what has the most culturally relevant tagline? Diehard's got yippee Io motherfucker" or whatever. <laughs> Terminator Two's <laughs> got "Motherfucking, I'll be back."
1: And I still a Vista baby. And
0: I still baby. Like, there's no, there's anyway. Look, I'm not gonna. That is that is a very deep hole. But yes, Robert Patrick, mm. who it's hard to imagine as anything other than the T1000, the liquid mm. metal robot from Terminator Two, mm. is in this as Josiah. But he is incredibly creepy in this. I wonder what
1: he saw as well. That's, uh, that's really Well, good. and mm. it's kind
0: of annoying because it's like <laughs> if you if you're hoping to find out exactly what he saw or what the title means, you're gonna come away like a little mm. bit disappointed.
1: I do hate that it's like mm, he saw something pretty intense. <laughs> 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 he saw something that sparked off all the events in this movie. So it's pretty. It's pretty. Okay. Crazy. So
0: the other thing about this movie, mm. again, like it, it comes down to like a key part of. This podcast is starting beefs and you've started a beef with Shudder, uh, yeah. which is not unwarranted, but what Shutter has done has evolved its marketing into a razor sharp point that just nails horror fans like me and just keeps us engaged, right? So streaming platforms can't go out and be like, I'm a streaming platform. What heaps of stuff? Like they just can't do that anymore because there's so many and there's okay. no way to differentiate it, right? And even Shudder, when Shudder came out, it's like, well, we're the place for horror. And then every other streaming platform has a horror section and often they have the more expensive, bigger budget horror films. Like if I want to see Malignant, I don't go yeah, to Shudder. God. If I want to see you know, the Saw franchise, I don't go to Shudder. I, I, I don't go to Shudder for that. So what the fuck does Shudder do? Shudder doubles down on the fucked up films of the horror world, the things that are going to attract oh, my more morbid, sensibilities right so obviously they did first of all they did it with sadness we covered sadness a couple of weeks mm. ago I made Will Reichelt watch it I still feel bad about that there are, <laughs> there are still things in that film I didn't say on this podcast because I was like I don't want to cover this and the reason why I watched it is because sadness was like you don't want to fucking watch this movie it's really disturbing <laughs> so of course I'm going to watch it okay so recently mm. they have been advertising this film and they're quite clever in their advertising they do very targeted advertising they know I'm a fan of horror films. They probably know that I either have an account or have had an account or clicked on the shuttle website before. Mm. So they do target me through social. And they target me through ads talking about this film, what Josiah saw by saying rogerEbert.com called this a dangerous movie. And so, of course, I see that and I'm like, why well, do I need to fucking watch this film? <laughs> and then the other clever thing they do, their mm. interface has a letterboxed style approach where you can see everyone's reviews underneath the film and everyone's reviews were like, look, this is a long film, feels pretty slow at the start, but stick with it to the end. So of course I'm going to fucking stick with it to the end to see why it's like dangerous. So because of that, I know a lot of people have probably seen the ads for this have probably seen the reviews that are like, this movie is dark and bleak and fucked up and want to know what happens. And so this is the surface. Not only am I, bringing you deeper into the horror world, Peach. <clears throat> I'm corrupting you just a little bit more, but I'm also bringing you, if you're listening, not because you're on Peach's Journey, but because you, <clears throat> you've either seen this film or want to know more about this film, that's the service I'm providing today.
1: Thank you, Shag. And also <laughs> just to celebrate marketing,
0: you know, good on them. <laughs> it, is, it is actually good marketing. Okay,
1: so- At its best, marketing, like, genuinely brings you stuff you'd like. It's like, Shag,
0: I'm, hopefully you like this movie. Here it is. This is what it's all about. So Watchers I Saw has more than just Robert Patrick, a whole bunch of actors who you will spend the whole movie being like, where the fuck do I know you from? So, And you're going to even hear these names and you're going to be like, these names sound familiar. So Nick Stahl is in it. I remember Nick Stahl. I don't know if you ever saw the cancelled HBO show Carnival.
1: No, I didn't. It
0: it was a great show. It was. Did Nick
1: Stahl also play on a Terminator 2 reference? Did he play. Um, John Connor in Terminator 3.
0: Oh, Shay, fuck. is
1: that the only Wait, bit of trivia I can did. bring to
0: you? Hang him? on,
1: hang on. Oh, my God. Hang on, he did.
0: He did. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Oh, my gosh! What,
1: what up, up the... Up, Shay, up, can you just a up, bit of what up, up Gangster here before I listen back <laughs> to the, <laughs> the episode? Do you you do have, have to give a quick out. review of it so I'm to. No. 10 out of 10. <laughs> the game's writing is my favourite bit. We do I'm Yes. I know, of course, I know Nick Stahl, Terminator 3. All right.
0: It's also got Kelly Garner. Uh, Was well, and- she in Terminator 3?
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding now.
0: And Jake Weber as well, all of which actors, if, if you look up those names, if they don't mm. ring a bell, if you can't immediately place them, look them up, go through their Wikipedia filmographies, you'll find something that connects... Your memory with their name with this podcast and all will be right with the world. Okay, it's
1: a right. six degrees of Kevin Bacon situation.
0: Now this film premiered last year, but it's only been added to Shudder recently. Mm. It's only available on Shudder, which is why there's no Wikipedia plot synopsis. So now get this: this is where this episode becomes one of those classic high concept Love Spooko em. episodes. Love them. So one of the cool things, like again, this film is not without merit, but it also has a moment in it which. Is of merit. <laughs> okay. That lacks yeah. merit. There's a lot of yeah. moments in that film. There's one moment that's, I don't know what the opposite of having merit Meritless. Of, <laughs> yeah, It's utterly without merit. <laughs> but it's, it's told in this interesting way where there's sort of three chapters. They're not explicitly explained as chapters, but they're three chapters of the film that all are slightly different stylistically, but then they all link up at the end in a very clear way. And so for a lot of the movie, you're just going on a journey. You're, take, you're going along with the movie. You don't know where it's going to take you. But then at the end, even though we don't know what shows I saw, mm-hmm. like even at the end, it's still kind of satisfying where it gets to. Sick. So for that reason, I've had to go to, I think, hang on, one, two, three, four. I've had to go to four reviews and recaps. Whoa. And I've cobbled together the synopsis of this film based on these four spoiler-filled recaps. So first of all, uh, I'm going to start the film with uh, 1428elm.com. Yep. Uh, that gives us a setup that says, what Josiah saw on Shutter is divided into three distinct chapters detailing the lives of each of the siblings fathered and tormented by Josiah Robert Patrick. Mm. The first chapter... He presumably
1: focuses- saw them being tormented.
0: <laughs> when he was- when he was there. The first chapter focuses on patriarch Josiah and his mentally disabled son Tommy and their life together at the rundown and notoriously haunted Graham Farm. Also, side note, it took me a while to realize in an American accent, Graham is Graham.
1: Graham. Graham. Gr- Graham Right? Gr- Graham, Graham. Graham. Yeah, Graham, gra- Graham yeah. is Graham. So yeah. if you hear me say
0: Graham and you're like, what the fuck? I'm saying Graham. If so, you hear me say Graham and you're like, yeah, anyway, you get what I mean.
1: In Australia, we call it Instagram. <laughs> Just a little joke.
0: Instagram. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, yeah, the first chapter focuses on Patriarch Josiah and his mentally disabled son Tommy and their life together at the rundown and notoriously haunted Graham farm where nothing has lived or grown other than them in decades. That's actually a good line, where nothing has grown other than them. It's not much
1: of a farm in that case.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When does the farm stop becoming a farm? Is it always a farm? Like if you ever grew something, if you ever raised like cattle at some place, is it always a farm or does it stop being a farm at some point?
1: Shane, I'm with you. I'm there.
0: Josiah drinks morning, noon and night and dominates his son's attention, always with him, always degrading him until one night Josiah has a vision. Now, Okay. Now, well, I'm this jumping, surely
1: is... Well, okay, sorry, yes.
0: Well, well, I'm jumping to highonfilm.com to give us a bit more backstory. Sure. So the film opens with Tommy and Josiah Graham sitting down for a normal dinner, except this one had an old-school pre-meal prayer where Tommy prayed for his mum and his siblings. Josiah makes it pretty clear that he doesn't believe in God. He tells his story where he's... And, and also, side note as well... Yeah. In both of these they talk about him being a mentally disabled son, which again, I don't know if that's like a cool thing to say.
1: It is not a cool
0: thing to say. And it's like in Joker where they keep talking about Joker having mental illness. It's just he's just generally like a bit slow. They all speak in that very thick southern drawl and mm. he's clearly quite childlike even though he's obviously like in his 40s. <laughs>
1: I imagine it's treated very, yeah, anyway, it's, sorry, it's, please
0: continue. Yeah, it's, it's treated very cartoonishly to mm. the point where Josiah sort of tells his son about seeing a leprechaun doing a jig on the hill and the son's laughing, being like, you didn't see that, pa?" And he's like, I did, I did swear on my life, I did. And then he's- <laughs> Sounds the, really weird. <laughs> I know, right? And then the point of the story is, and it's like, but how dumb is it believing in leprechauns just like you believe in God? It's just like, and the sun's like, "Oh crap!" (laughs) What a shit thing to say! What a shit thing to say after I said my dinner prayer.
1: Uh, Anyway, Fifty Cent would have loved saying that on the breakfast club.
0: (laughs) Anyway, that same night, Mm. Josiah is woken up to see something terrifying. Now we know that because. We just like, see like
1: him. He's he like, you won't believe what I've seen. <laughs> no, Imagine just if like you had star- seen it he's just like staring. He's
0: clearly staring at something and okay. the soundtrack is like, Woo! you know, like soundtrack's nothing. And then mm. it just goes into overdrive to make it clear to the audience that he's seeing something. But we also don't know what Josiah saw.
1: There's the yes. Title. Yes. Okay. Okay. It wasn't God or a leprechaun.
0: The incident apparently changes Josiah's mind about God. And he tells his son that he was visited by his late wife, who apparently burns in hellfire, and that they should wash away their sins and make peace with God. The old father stops prancing around the house like he did and tells Tommy that he has to right a great wrong to save the wife. All right. Okay. That you following? Yep. Okay. So we told you before they don't treat serious things mm. well in this film. Yes. There's a pretty big. I was going to say undercurrent, but it's more just a current of familial sexual abuse in this film, mm. but treated in the cartoonish way that other very popular blockbusters have. I had this. I had this memory. We talked about uh, Numi Rapass on this podcast a couple of episodes ago. She was in the original Swedish films that covered the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo yes. series. Do you remember how big those books were?
1: Oh, hugely. Stig Larson actually pulled one out for Stig. Yeah.
0: It's weird that they were as big. But, and look, I'm going to spoil the ending. So if you've somehow missed the ending and want to still read the books, maybe turn off for like a couple of, a couple of you know, mm. what's, what's the, a couple of dozens of seconds? I don't know how to say yeah, that.
1: Yeah, a minute is what I, is <laughs> what I call it. A, few, a minute. A few, a few dozen seconds.
0: I think people maybe forget or gloss over the fact that the bad guy was like this horrible rapist that kidnapped and tortured and then killed migrant women in a sex dungeon because he and his sister had been abused systematically by their father their entire lives and it was like this long line of legacy sexual abuse in the families and it was this incredibly dark end Mm. but everybody was like perfect popcorn book for a flight everyone needs to read and i guess my point is In that film, it probably wasn't treated as seriously as it should be, and it's the same in this film. It's almost treated like a cartoonish bad guy trait.
1: This is like with British crime thrillers, so Al's like, man, I super get it. Why, you know, you didn't watch horror films, I wouldn't either. Excuse me while I read my like macabre like forensic like <laughs> English serial killer book about like slicing people's dicks off into like little bits of like it's electric- always sexual violence. In- yeah. it's if it like, doesn't
0: okay, involve cool. kids, it's sexual violence or mm. on pretty much every British crime show, eventually it's both. Good. Cool. And I don't think people are like I don't think people necessarily want to see it, but people wanna be shocked. People wanna be disturbed. Coming back to the thesis of this show, I think horror is a valid art form. I think most people would enjoy it if they Mm. can break through the adult fear of it. Anyway, all right. So back to 1428elm.com. Upon hearing Miriam's message, which is the mum. Yes. And at the direction of Josiah, Tommy starts cleaning up the the farm. So Josiah's like, first of all, we've got to clean up this farm. It's gross. Like if we're going to make good for our sins, if we're going to repent because your mum's in hell, we're going to have to do better. So they start cleaning up the house and the dad finds some super old school like porno mags under Tommy's bed. And Tommy's like, well, they belong to my brother, Eli. And the dad basically sits him down and is like, look, there's nothing wrong with this, but it it is a sin. So I, and and look, I'm not going to go into it, but basically he forces him to masturbate. To one of the magazines, is there for the start, leaves for him to complete, and then it's basically like, now you're a sinner, you need to repent for that. It is a awfully unsettling scene. I. Like, why does it have to be? Why does it have to be? Yeah. It, it. 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 Just shudder,
1: just shudder stuff, yeah. Right,
0: right like, at right, you know, and, and that's not even the part where RogerReba.com were like, this is a dangerous film. But mm. I think that is. Uh, it is not a great scene it's Mm. one of those like it's in those you know collection of horror scenes that i have Mm. in my brain that's like i wish i didn't see that Mm. obviously it's all implied it's all told through and all of the violence until the very end and you know awfulness in this film is all implied and spoken but it doesn't take away from its gravity Mm. okay so let's move on to the review geek.com so outside of the events in the farmhouse we then, we then meet a representative of an oil company. So this is like the segue from the first part of the film into the second part. Remember, there's three parts okay. before the yes. resolution at the end. A representative of an oil company who's making plans to buy houses in the area, including the Graham farmhouse. This is the catalyst for the family reunion later in the movie. And the sheriff is basically like, that place is haunted. The mother... Used to take the kids to the church, you know, to church every Sunday, real God fearing house. And then all of a sudden that stopped and just bad shit is, you know, bad shit is known to happen there ever since. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the next chapter, we get to meet Eli, the owner of the old school porno mags under the bed. Yeah. Who,
1: um, he sounds pretty cool.
0: So he is living in an RV and is under scrutiny by the police after having sex with a minor some time before. Mm-hmm. So he's a registered sex offender and he has to be visited by the cops i'll just Uh, withdraw
1: my endorsement of him obviously it's sounding pretty cool
0: so eli visits a local bar where he owes boone oh yes so 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 they mentioned that basically the cop visits him because he's basically like there's a girl missing in the area eli's like i didn't do anything i've just been here or whatever And the cop's like, I don't care. You're a sex offender. You got to stay there. Don't do anything. Basically, that interaction happened so we know that there's a young girl missing in the area. (laughs) Eli visits a local bar where he owes Boone, the local town gangster, some money. To settle his debt, Eli is asked to steal gold from some visiting Romani people. All right. So, okay. What? Let's stop here, right? Okay. So the film calls them gypsies. I'm going to stop using the term gypsies now. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know enough about the... I I tried to do some very basic desk research on this, but essentially the term we use, gypsies, and I think often we use it as a term to just describe a general sort of nomadic, (coughs) slightly mystical lifestyle. It's also used in a lot of countries, including America and Europe, to describe Romani people, Romani people who are a European ethnic group again essentially nomadic scattered across the world you know as uh, in a diaspora there's something like a million in america there's only two and a half thousand in australia so it's not something we ever see Mm. i remember when i was living in spain in my early 20s there were a lot of romany people there and spanish people like and this is not like i'm not like indicting an entire entire country but Mm. the the view was not kind and i when i heard about it it was always very disparaging and like Watch out for these areas and don't go near there, and you shouldn't ever travel by there at night. That sort of thing, right? Like they are a people who are who are talked down about, who are mm. disparaged, who have not had a great lot in culture for mm. the past, you know, hundred years or so. And in this film, they're they're a bad guy and painted in a way that And, like, clearly they're not trying to be, like, all people like this, just this gang, but it's still just a bit iffy. Because they also use the term Romani Romani quite a bit, right? Like, they don't just always call them gypsies. They say Romani. Anyway, so I now move to RogerEbert.com. And let me just explain why they call this film dangerous before I continue... The second part of
1: this film. It's racism, I guess, would be.
0: So this is where it gets weird. So so what Josiah saw goes down many weird byways. The weirdest comes in Eli's chapter. Desperate to pay his debts, Eli agrees to visit a nearby carnival run by gypsies, referred to as such in the film, who apparently have a stash of Jewish gold, again, referred to as such, hoarded during the Holocaust. This Romani character trucks in every stereotype of the Romani population they're thieves, they kidnap children, they're dangerous, they believe in curses, etc. These stereotypes date back centuries and have been used to sideline them, banish them, or, as the Nazis did, kill them. What Josiah saw includes a couple of actual newsreel clips. This is true, okay? Mm-hmm. So when Boone is explaining that they believe that they have gold bars and they're from the Holocaust, they show just newsreel footage of, the, like, just and nothing like, in fact, there's no. There's one graphic scene of a lot of, and and sorry, excuse, like trigger warning. Actually, this scene is fucking graphic, of like jaws, like you know, human jaws, because obviously, they they tried to extract as many much gold from teeth. gold teeth as they could, right? Mm. And so they use this newsreel footage to be like, you know, people did steal gold in World War Two, which is like fair enough, but. Why it was them why yeah, hit, exactly. right? Like and it, it's yeah, not yeah. it's not explicitly saying that, but it's mm. muddy enough for it to be not good, right? Anyway, mm. so the final line of the review says using a clip of people being marched to their deaths, especially in a scene where the characters display the stereotypes used by the Nazis to justify their actions, is indefensible. So that's how the review ends. Now now this is where and I'm sorry to go on so many tangents. These no, no. things get weird though, right?
1: That because, seems fair, like uh, that that seems pretty fair. Yeah.
0: If you Thought a film acted indefensively and was dangerous. What review out of ten would you give it?
1: Well, I think you must give it no score. I I think must right, you right?
0: Right? Okay. So this is the weird thing about that. Review.
1: Like three stars. It's well, all right.
0: Okay. We'll wait. We'll wait, wait. They give it two stars, but okay. it gets complicated because the RogerEbert.com system is only four stars, and I okay. realize there's a kind of review inflation in which the less stars, the more accurate the rating is. So, for example, if it's out of 10, Mm -hmm. a four out of 10 is not worth, like a four out of 10 is garbage, right? Like four out of 10 is like never watch this film. Mm -hmm. What a piece of shit. Whereas a two-star film is like, oh, it's fine, right? A a two-and-a-half-star film is like, oh, there's something there. So a two-star film, which this film was given on RogerEbert.com, out of four with inflation, it's probably closer to, like, a three-star review, yep. which is fucking weird for a film you've said an is dangerous film. and indefensible, right? But it just goes to show that this film is, there's just something about this film, there's just something about what I saw that, that people is, like, do you know what I mean? It's, it isn't outright being like, fuck these people. And it, it's, it's just very dangerous in the way that it plays this scene.
1: I I feel like this This leads back to a criticism we can make of Shudder, though, as well, because Shudder uses that review to suggest that it's the content of the film, right? right? There may be some dangerous act or something like that or some scary serial killer or gory murder, whereas it's actually the politics of the film that is indefensible. It's the politics of the film that's dangerous. This is like, remember they were trying to, remember the DVD era 15, 20 years ago? where it was the only way you'd make money on, like, a non-hyper blockbuster was on DVDs. And when Geely came out on DVD and they're like, oh, buy the movie or, like, see the movie that everyone said was shit, (laughs) can you deal, can you deal with maybe seeing the shitiest movie ever? Probably too scared to watch it. Or are you? Maybe? Go see Geely. Like, it's sort of trying to leverage in a way that I think is a little bit dishonest, frankly, in the the shutter scenario because it's, yeah, and, and that,
0: is actually a re- that is actually a really good point because at least with the sadness, they're like, this is the most disturbing, yeah. gory film. And it's like, yeah, it was. It there really was. was. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it was. <laughs> Whereas this one, they're like, they probably should have been like, this movie is pretty racist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> problematic Roger Ebert says problematic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, all right. Okay, so let's go back. Fuck, like I hate Shudder. Let's go back. Shudder, to- if you're
1: listening, <laughs> like our DMs are not open.
0: Like, I've tagged each off. other in this so they know that we're talking about Great, <laughs> great.
1: <Gray>, the <show. laughs> Let them know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look, we go back to the reviewgeek.com. Mm. So Eli is joined by Billy and Logan, who are two of Boone's men, who task themselves with stealing the gold while Eli distracts the Romani women. On arrival, the men are greeted and they ingratiate themselves with uh, the, the, the circus. Classic heist.
1: Yeah, you've got to come in. Uh, it's basically it's such a haven't. weird
0: plan. It is such a weird plan. I don't understand. Basically, they're like, you just go party with them, we'll go steal the gold, <laughs> and then we'll see you at the end. I don't understand oh, the that. plan. <laughs> I, I mean, I've never been in organised crime, so I don't know how a heist would usually go. Oh, in.
1: guys, don't party over near the gold. Woo, the party's <laughs> over here. Come over here. Woo. Don't worry about my other friend who came with this who's going towards the gold. Man.
0: Anyway, while Billy and Logan go looking for the gold, Eli gets friendly with one they of the women. I don't even know where it is. Right? So Eli gets friendly with one of the women. He is then introduced to a fortune teller who tells him he's going to die soon. Now, also the trope of the fact that, oh, they're all mystical and mm. there's a fortune teller. And the fortune teller is, and you can imagine, like I reckon without me saying anything about the fortune yeah. teller, you can imagine exactly what she looks yep, like. 100%. Right? And she looks like that. Like I promise mm. you, in your this is, a, this is a classic Spooko magic trick. Imagine what this stereotypical fortune teller looks like—Eastern European, uh, uh, you know—looks like, and you're right. I promise you, you're right. Anyway, (sighs) so this ominous warning almost comes true when they realize, as this fortune teller is basically reading Eli, she's like, "Oh fuck, you're here to steal our gold," and then we see a fight breaking out, and Billy and Logan are killed. Eli's knocked unconscious but manages to escape before he makes a shocking discovery. They have the missing girl. It's just a bit like, oh, it's weird that oh, they have kidnapped this good. girl. And anyway, he rescues her and makes his escape. He then returns to Boone and hands him the gold. Boone is happy with his prize, but after touching the gold, dies of a heart attack as if it's cursed. It's, this film is really, at this point, you're like, what is even going on?
2: Yeah, okay.
0: I also promise you this whole, that's the end of this gold subplot. We know nothing oh, we else. From it. About the gold as no, well, no, 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 so that's, that's it. That's it. That's the end of it. Okay, all right.
1: So chapter three now, is
0: it? Yeah, we're into chapter three. Back to fourteen twenty eight elm.com. Now remember, we've we've seen from two of the children of Josiah, now we're up mm. to the third Mary. So Mary's chapter in what Josiah saw is a discourse on depression. The first scene in Mary's chapter shows Mary and her husband applying to adopt a baby as she had a tubal ligation at a young age, but now feels called to be a mother. But this also feels like a last-ditch effort to make this second try with her husband, Tony Hale, work. Now, in this chapter, again, this, like they, they spend time characterising these characters because not a lot happens in these chapters. Yeah. We see her exhibit classic signs of depression and PTSD, inability to finish simple tasks like grocery shopping, a fondness for sharp objects, terrifying nightmares, one in which she wakes up in the night and starts just stabbing herself repeatedly. But then we realise it's just a dream. So we see her dreams,
1: but we don't see what Josiah saw. That (laughs)
2: sucks.
0: (laughs) And an inconsistency with taking her meds.
1: What Mary dreamed, I guess, is an alternate. (laughs) Not for the name of the film.
0: So Eli shows up one day, unannounced. There's clear history and weirdness. And he's like, look, I know you don't want to see me, but I think you need to sign the papers to sell the farm I'm now going to go back to the house and get the rest of the family to sign it, but I need you to sign it. You don't have to. This is the family reunion, yes, the oil transaction. And he's like, all you have to do is sign it. You don't have to do anything. And she's like, no, I need to go back to the house one last time. All right, now we go to highonfilms.com.
1: Not to, like, what what is it contemplated that they sign? Like, why do the kids, like, do the kids also
0: own the farm? Peach, this is a very good question to ask. If we find
1: that out, I'll be
0: quite satisfied. This is actually a really good question to ask. okay. So together they arrive at the house with a quick stop at a motel. Now, highonfilms.com says, please note this. So that's the review's voice. That's not even the no. voice. But also, do please note that. Anyway. Okay. So they make it home. And
1: I love that some parts of the film are noteworthy and others, you're like, don't worry <laughs> about this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like what Josiah saw.
1: Yeah, what Josiah, don't worry about what Josiah saw. <laughs> <laughs> just we had to think of a title. <laughs> fact, so anyway,
0: about. so Eli and Mary <laughs> make it back to the farm where Tommy and Josiah live.
1: From the hotel where they just were.
0: Right, from the hotel. where they, Now, now, now this, that, is, this, yeah. is where, this is where things get a little bit tropey and I think you're going to laugh. Oh. As we transition into the climax, we realise that there are no scenes with the twins and the father together. But in just the next scene... Who
1: were the twins? No, is the tw- and Mary twins? and Mary are twins. Twins, okay, cool. Sorry, yeah, I'm with
0: you. It's not a big. It's not like a big part of the plot, but they are twins.
1: Yeah, okay, so it's Fight Club. I'm with you. But,
0: but in just the next scene, he tells Tommy that he's angry with the twins because of a grave crime that they committed. Apparently, the mother saw them having sex years ago and soon after, they found out Mary was pregnant and that was the day Miriam hung herself at a tree on the property. And that is the wrong they have to write according to... Miriam appearing to Josiah and saying they have to repent but later in a dinner table sequence Mm. the twins get suspicious of who Tommy was talking to and when he says pa they gasp in disbelief pa died 23 years ago they tell him Mm. so there's a scene where we see Josiah in bed dreaming but he's not alive
1: (laughs) oh that sucks so much Like, because it's not even a twist. It's just a different feel. It's just like, oh, what we showed you at the start wasn't true. Like, that, <laughs> like that's not a twist.
0: But wait, <laughs> think, wait. Oh, more uh, happens, more happens. Okay. So Tommy, through Josiah, has accused his siblings of being a yes. They're like, no, no, no. They remind him of their father's death and that they all, three children, Killed him when they were kids. They killed him because of the abuse they suffered at his hands. For Ellie and Tommy, the abuse was physical. Although, based on that previous scene, and also it puts that that scene that never happened. Well, well, it's more like him imagining his dad watching him do bad things rather than. But even even like it's but a fuck it scene. That? But it is kind of like oh, you thought we showed you a fuck scene, but actually it was just a psychological breakdown. But it's like no, you showed us a fuck scene.
2: But like.
1: Does he imagine Josiah in other rooms when he's not in the room?
0: So, so yeah, so Josiah doesn't exist, is a ghost slash is a figment of Tommy's imagination. All right. So they basically killed their dad because he was abusive to him, including sexually, definitely to Mary, probably to the boys as well. And mm-hmm. again, like I said, it's like it's treated like comic. Book villain trait. Yeah, like realization like, oh,
1: yeah. that's right. Yeah, he abused right? us. Like,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. The re- now, so the reason for the mum's death, according to Eli, wasn't because she found out about the twins having sex and having a kid, but that Josiah and his daughter had a kid when he abused her. And that's why she killed herself. They also tell him that he was, there's this weird subplot where Tommy was married till two years ago. And there's a very early scene where he goes into town and he sees a young kid and he tries to say hi. And it's, and it's weird and it's like, why? And apparently he has a child with a woman, but he had a breakdown and now he's not allowed to see his ex-partner or child ever again.
1: This is all just people telling each other things that we don't <laughs> know whether they're true or not. Like this <laughs> is a play. Like we are now at a play.
0: Okay. So Tommy's unbelieving of this version of events. According to him, the baby was not Josiah's, this leads us to Ellie and Mary's sin. Tommy believes Mary became pregnant because of Eli, who had sex with her. It is his belief that they are the reason that their mum killed herself. So back to highonfilm.com. This is my favorite line in any of the four reviews/slash recaps I read and cobbled mm. together. Long story short. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, bravo.
0: Eli and Mary find out that. The baby they buried in the backyard and the body of the father as well, they buried in the backyard, aren't in the backyard anymore because Tommy found them in the backyard, dug them up and put the skeletons into a chest in the house. So they open the chest and they discover the skeletons and it's pretty fucked. Never likes yeah. a tiny skeleton. Tommy then rushes them with an axe and kills Eli in a single motion as predicted by Mama Luna. Uh, boo. Then Mary escapes outside the house, runs to the tree where the mom hung herself. There's then a repeat of the scene where it, we think she's stabbing herself again, oh, yeah. but in fact, it's Tommy stabbing her over and over again with the knife in a very, like, artily shot scene, and then she dies as well. After the climax, the father and son duo sit exhausted in the living room. And the willow tree hang on, are. hang on.
1: Who's the father and son? The father Who?
0: is Josiah. So, Josiah's Josiah, back, but, okay. but he's like, oh, Is he a ghost? Is he whatever? But they're both yeah, sitting okay. in the room of their house.
1: But he's exhausted, <laughs> even <laughs> though he's a ghost. He's like, <laughs> 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 it's a Tough day. The,
0: the willow, where the mom hung herself, catches holy fire as a sign of sins repented. And the reason why we know that is if we go to the review geek.com. It yes. notes that outside the farmhouse, a tree burns with holy fire. On it is a sign reading, Eli and Mary's sins paid in full. Finally, going back to 1428elm.com, Josiah has been preaching salvation, making Tommy believe that by living righteously, they could all be saved. But truthfully, he's been posthumously leading them all to damnation, exacting his revenge. In the final scene... What?
1: what? what, what? sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. So Josiah is a ghost now <laughs> with his own motivations. Yes. So he's not a hallucination, he's yeah. a ghost trying to lead them to hell.
0: But but wait, but wait, in the final scene we see what happened in the motel and in fact,
1: oh I noted that, yeah.
0: And in fact, Eli and Mary did have sex in the motel, in the hotel <laughs> motel before they went home. So potentially they did have the baby together. It wasn't Josiah's. And to your point, it's just a bunch of people saying things that may or may not yeah, be true. Like, what is, we don't what know what Josiah saw and whether he did see something because he was a ghost and whether ghosts can actually see. Shouldn't they be able to see everything all at once? Shouldn't time not exist as a ghost?
1: Is this, so is that the end of the film? That's like, the end of
0: the film. Is That's this what f- Josiah saw.
1: I feel like this is why editing must be just a baffling ordeal. I don't know how Sammy from Too Scared to Didn't Watch does it. of like. Because the director must be like, here's all the stuff I shot. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be like, great, great. Can you talk me through it? And I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go direct some more films. And it's like, no, wait, 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 wait. So- but also
0: imagine the editor being like, because clearly the director is like <laughs> leaving everything up in the air, probably because they don't have an opinion either way. So the editor would be like, okay, so tell me, <laughs> what did Josiah see? And they'd be like, oh, fool. Don't know, but... Look, the
1: score is going to be sick, right? The score is going to be like, <laughs> and then the
0: editor's like, okay, okay, that's fine, that's fine. Who had the baby? And the director's like, Ooh. I'm like...
1: exactly. Who did? Who did have the baby? That's, and then you know... the editor's
0: like, okay, all right, okay, all right, that's fine. But it's called what Josiah saw. Is Josiah a ghost, or is he just a figment of imagination? What is he?
1: <laughs> yeah. Tell me more about this heist Tell me more about that
0: <laughs> What
1: up thug What up th- bro What up thing What up gangster
0: But also if you really liked Watchers I saw Please let us know
1: Oh yeah fuck Watchers I saw F- I. And I definitely won't watch it uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios Please like, subscribe and follow
2: wherever you can and as much as you can. And Reshes, what's up?